When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I don't know. We'll see. Like the regular Stefan Diggs in practice? I have to watch tape. Mike, what do you base it on whether he'll play or not? Well, I watch the tape. So it, it's how he looks, not punishment of any sort. No, he's already been punished. I was standing there for that, and my re- reaction is still, Huh? Uh, That was Mike Zimmer today talking about, sort of, Stephon Diggs and whether he will play against the New York Giants. Certainly not a definitive yes. This could be uh, gamesmanship, which, you know, the Giants, uh, we're not going to prepare for Stephon Diggs, you know, just because of this stuff. We'll just leave that out. Uh, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf of ESPN here from 2 to 3. Brian Murphy comes in. We'll also have uh, Charles McDonald uh, joining us as well at 3 o'clock to talk Giants. Um... How you doing, Myron? Uh, nothing big to talk about here. Nothing going on, really. No, nothing to see here. Just got to watch that practice tape to decide whether you're going to play Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I guess I, I just want to see him as he's watching practice tape to figure out how he makes that call based on what he sees uh, on film. At this, well, it's pretty fast to me. Looks yeah, yeah. like he can still catch. Might as well use him, right? <laughs> this is this is amazing, man. This is this has gone from chaos to a disaster. Uh, and I, I didn't think it would get to this point. You got the whole world talking about this thing. It's amazing to see what has become of this franchise. And it's only week five. Okay, so our friend Tom Pelissero just tweeting this out a few minutes ago. Vikings find wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Now, that must be the punishment that Mike Zimmer referred to. He said, quote, we already punished him. So this must yeah. be what that is, that he was fined. And uh, Pelissero reports that this was not the first time Diggs missed a meeting this season and that uh, he also says a lot of players get fined for things during the season, which is uh, very much true. A lot of stuff that gets kept sort of behind the scenes. Of course, this was uh, not really, really public to skip practice and then come out and say there's truth to rumors and and things like that. So, um, all right, well, where do we go from here, Myron? Can we just assume that Stefan Diggs is not going to be suspended for a game because he decided to do this? Yeah, I mean, that, that feels safe. 
Um, but I think the bigger question is what happens if they lose Sunday? And just does this go from just disaster to uh, someone losing their job? Because I think like the fact that this has become a national story has to really bother uh, the folks who are part of this organization. I do a Sunday show, a national show through ESPN Radio every Sunday, countdown to kickoff, um, and we did it through in Bristol last Sunday. So when you do that show, after the show, you go into what we call the war room to watch games. And there's like 20 TVs, and it's you know Rex Ryan and Chris Berman and Lewis Riddick and all these ESPN guys, Randy Moss, and you're just watching games for hours and hours and hours. And to hear the way they talked about the Vikings, you could tell that there is this sense, at least nationally, that not only is something going wrong in Minnesota, Collar, but that's something that might not be able to be fixed uh, by the people who are in charge of this organization. No one thinks that Kirk Cousins is going to improve. Uh, I think he is what he is. And now that you have guys who are disgruntled and upset, I think that could turn this into an even more problematic situation. Uh, first, if anyone gets the reference, I want to say there's no fighting in the war room. If anyone gets that yeah, reference, yeah. please tweet me. Um, uh, okay, so you're in the war room, Myron. You're watching the game with a bunch of people who analyze the NFL at large. I'm in the locker room talking to these players and coaches and everything else and sort of seeing this progress. Um, did people nationally expect this to happen from the Vikings, that we would be four weeks into the season talking about the potential of this thing completely collapsing? Because I, I can tell you from my perspective my expectation was that they would hit some bumps in the road here and that we would see a lot of the same Kirk Cousins that we always saw, but that the offensive system was going to be better designed, they would hit some big plays down the field, that Delvin Cook would run more successfully. Like I thought that they could be 2-2 two and two at this point. I kind of expected 3-1. and one. What I did not necessarily expect is Adam Thielen to be pointing the finger at the media and yeah. for Stephon Diggs to not be showing up to practice. There was conversations that we had about the potential for Stephon Diggs to be unhappy because we got that sense from him uh, going back to August just by his demeanor, the way he acted on the practice field and skipping a couple of OTAs and giving very vague explanations and things like that. So there had been a little smoke around it, but I never would have expected that we could get to this place this fast. Yeah, I mean, a big difference between smoke and a wildfire, right? And I think that's what this has kind of become. I mean, the folks I talked to naturally thought that this was a team a year ago that you know, they, they win eight games. They got a shot at the playoffs. Uh, things go differently in, in Green Bay. It's a different situation. And I think they figured, especially how much respect a lot of people have for Gary Kubiak, that this thing would not necessarily dramatically turn around, but they'd catch some of the breaks they didn't get a year ago, and they could possibly be a playoff team. They can still be a playoff team, but now it's the other drama. What I didn't hear, Colin, correct me if I'm wrong, I listen to Thielen, and I don't want to hear what Thielen said days after his postgame comments. That's what I'm going to focus on. We heard what you said after the game. We heard what you said last year. We know that this isn't a good situation or environment. I have not heard people coming out and standing up and saying, no, 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 my dude's going to be all right. That quarterback's going to be okay. Sure. We're going to be fine. I have not heard that. I grew up around Green Bay Packers football in the – in the 90s when Brett Favre would throw four picks in a game. And even though he had moments where you could tell that clearly it was his fault that they lost some of these games, just him forcing things, being reckless, the the commitment to him and his potential and what they believed in him and, and his, poss- his what he could do, uh, that never wavered. 
Guys always came out, and Brett was their dude. I haven't heard that collar with Kirk Cousins. No one's convinced me that they believe Kirk Cousins is going to lead them to anything, and that, to me, is the most concerning element of all this. It's digs now, but who else is it next week and two weeks from now and three weeks from now? How can the Vikings do this and deal with this without making some sort of significant change internally? Well, that's a, I mean, it's a great point because it, it ends up making everyone, including the players, I'm sure the coaches, the front office, and the fan base all feel stuck with this. And that would be, I guess, the factor if Stefan Diggs wasn't already thrilled uh, uh, that pushed him over the side of the edge with this team is that feeling that it just cannot change at the quarterback position, no matter how much you alter the scheme, now, um, no matter how much uh, talent you bring in with two elite receivers, an elite running back, now you have two tight ends who can catch the football and you still can't make things happen in the passing game. You still can't go on the road and win an NFC North battle, even when your defense in those two games allows 21-16. and 16. I mean, that should be very yeah. winnable for you with that amount of talent. I mean, I- I've talked about how you know the rookie center is struggling, but there are some times where I want to even stop myself and be like, "Really, man? I mean, like, we're I know he's not doing <laughs> well, but like that's what we're talking about with an offense that has this much talent. That that that's going to be the excuse is the rookie center isn't playing very well. It, it shouldn't be. It all points back to the quarterback position. I mean, if they had, like you said, a Brett Favre at that position, I don't think this would be an issue. I even think Myron, if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback or Case Keenum that this isn't an issue either because at very least you have the quarterback that everybody likes. I mean, if Adam Thielen can say whatever the hell Adam Thielen wants to say, but on week 17 when you stand on that sideline and put your hands on your hips and look up toward the rafters while your quarterback is yelling on at you, showing no respect for him whatsoever, you're not going to say a thing that's going to make me believe that you and the quarterback are on great terms either. No matter who you come out and blame and say it's the national media, it's this, that, or the other thing, sorry, buddy, you kind of showed your (laughs) cards there. And I'm going to believe what I see rather than what you say. And then uh, in week, uh, you know, week uh, three there, where he basically after the game says, yeah, or week four, I'm sorry, we're uh, frustrated and things like that. I mean, I'm going to believe the instant reaction and not the attempt to, to sort of cover it up later. And now, how can you solve this? Well, there isn't a trust or belief that it's going to change or that it's going to get better. I mean, I I grew up in Buffalo with the bickering bills where Jim Kelly was not the most friendly guy in a very friendly city, Myron. And those guys yelled at each other and they fought and everything else. But you know what? They always knew at the end of the day that they had a Hall of Fame quarterback on their hands and he was going to be the guy. It does not feel like there's a respect factor here. It doesn't feel like there's a guy in charge at the quarterback position who could say, Guys, get over it. Let's go. Put your egos aside. We can, you know, we can take this thing and win. It just doesn't feel like anyone is going to believe that message if he's even trying to give it out. Because on Wednesday, Myron, he's like, well, you know, when you throw 10 passes, sorry, you can't get 18 <laughs> catches. And it's like, dude, stop. On, like, stop. Everything, everything you say makes this worse. Well, and they're, they're terrible at trying to spin the narrative, right? This is not a franchise that's really good at that. They've no, never been no. good at that. Um, when they try to change the narrative, they make things worse. But I tell you what, man, uh, if this happens in Chicago, I don't think it becomes this public issue because your Khalil Max and guys inside that organization would deal with this. I can guarantee you it ain't happening in Green Bay. Uh, there are a lot of teams where you go, of course there are disgruntled players, man. That's the NFL. Like, even winning teams have guys who wish they got the ball more and they're just frustrated 
with the way things are going. But for this to become this public fire where it doesn't seem like anyone can lead, because I'll tell you what, a young dude likes to find digs. He needs a veteran in that locker room, uh, a J.J. Watt, a, a Khalil Mack, someone who can pull him aside and go, hey, brother, we don't do this. I understand you're mad, but this is not how we do it. And the reality is you act the way this Devon Diggs is acting right now. Well, you just don't respect the organization. You don't respect its direction. This guy signed a five-year, $81 million deal when he thought he was going into the prime of his career with a team that loved to pass the ball and was going to improve from the team that we saw get to the NFC title game. Now he's on a team that is really a running team, right, Kyler? I mean, the Vikings are a running team. So now you're seeing fewer opportunities, if you're Diggs, to, to do what you were paid to do, and you're going, did I just give away the prime of my career? Stephon Diggs, to me, sounds like and is acting like a young person, a young player in this league who feels stuck, who feels like I just signed a deal uh, in the most important years of my career to play with a team that is not even using us the way that I thought they would. We're not winning. Uh, We might not be a playoff team. And it's frustrating. My question is, it's Devon Diggs now. Who is it in week six and seven? In Mm -hmm. week eight and nine? Like, this is week five, and we have this drama. What happens by week eight? Uh, if this team isn't a playoff team, does the whole thing just implode? Because I think at some point, and I'm not saying it's Mike Zimmer, but if this team loses Sunday to the former offensive coordinator of this team, someone gets fired Monday. Because you have to do that in the NFL in order to show that you're at least trying to do things differently. If they lose Sunday on the road to the Giants, someone's getting fired Monday. Okay, let me. that's a nice blazing take. And I want to get back to that in just a second. But I do want to say that it is interesting you brought up Khalil Mack in Chicago and how a defensive player would sort of be in charge of that franchise. And with this team, there isn't that feeling. The defensive guys are very close with each other. I mean, they seem to be like best friends. Barr and Kendricks, (laughs) you know, have played together for so long. And Everson and Daniil and these guys. I mean, it's the same defense that has been here basically the entire time with Mike Zimmer, and they're the ones who sign contracts and come back to play, and Anthony Barr is in tears thinking about playing anywhere else because he loves being around these guys, and and yet it feels like the other side of the room just could not be more the opposite. You've got one receiver saying, more or less, I'm frustrated, let me out of this. you got another receiver saying, well, it's all the media spin, but realistically showing just as much irritation. You have a a tight end who's now decided that he's uh the the greatest blocker in history. I mean that was that was the best part of the other day was Kyle Rudolph being I don't know guys, I just love this blocking assignment. Like I, I love showing you guys I could block or like is this really happening right now? Uh you know, you got an offensive line that is almost as bad outside of Brian O'Neill as it's always been. And so it's like one side is as solidified and has its leadership and sort of its structure and everything else and, and all of its uh, pieces and it's sort of its own little culture. And then the other side of the room, I mean, it's like the defense is the dog inside the fire, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is fine. Like, we're doing all right, but everything <laughs> else is burning down around us. And so that kind of brings me back to what you said about going to New York, because each year this team seems to have one of those games, aside from 2017, which is just a totally different scenario from all the other Zimmer years. But all the other Zimmer years have one game where they should absolutely win and they just don't show up at all. And with all the things going on around this team right now, this one has that feeling. And going to two and three on a team that's supposed to compete for the Super Bowl in a division that is maybe the the toughest from top to bottom in the entire NFL, 
Yeah. I, I'm not sure that someone's fired, but I definitely couldn't count it out, considering that the locker room seems to be falling apart. And you you have to ask yourself, and Alex Boone said this yesterday, you have to ask yourself, well, well what role do the coaches play in all of this, the coaching staff? And, and yeah. how many times with Mike Zimmer will we have the same story being written of, well, you know, outside of when Shermer was here, who's a head coach now, it's like, well, you can't get the offense right in 2015. You can't get the offense right in 2016, and a coordinator leaves. You can't get it right in 2018, and you fire a coordinator. And now here we are in 2019 with all sorts of talent, and you still can't get it right. And, I mean, you can only point the finger at the quarterback so much. He's going to be here this year and next year either way, right? I mean, at some point, you're right that it has to get pointed that finger of uh, frustration somewhere else other than just hey it's uh it's Kirk Cousins fault yeah and you know to, to me we know the problems with this team uh they're ongoing you do need someone from the top to come in and fix it but what's clear Kyler Zimmer can't fix it if he could fix it he would have fixed it already right at the end of the day this team is stuck with some deficiencies that they're gonna have to find a way to overcome I just think the dig situation to me is alarming at this point in the season. The whole, are the trade rumors true or not? Like, what are you even saying? There's truth to all rumors. What are you saying, man? Did you want to trade or not? There is nothing that convinces me that this team is going to turn this around because there's a void in leadership. Uh, you have a coach who seems noncommittal on anything that would maybe address some of these these things and make significant changes. A quarterback who is who he is. So what changes? And if you have this window, which I think is the most important thing here, you have a window if you're the Vikings. Most teams have a window. If you're the Patriots, you've had a 20-year window. If you're the Steelers under Roethlisberger, Drew Brees and the Saints, if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, your window's uh, much wider. But for most teams, your window is two to four years if you're lucky. And then it comes again maybe a decade later for a lot of teams. This is their window. So if you are not going to progress with the $84 million quarterback and the top receivers you sign uh, and you're not moving the ball the way you expect it to, what becomes of this franchise? Like, to me, my thing is, what is the move that can be made, Collar? Like, what is the thing that can be done other than firing people? And I'm not saying, I'm not advocating firing people. I'm just saying that this is what happens in the NFL. Like, this mm-hmm. is what NFL yeah. teams do yeah. in these situations. And then now you have a team that is no longer just dealing with local embarrassment, Collar. Now you're on first take, and Stephen A. Smith is saying, what a joke you are. Now, if you're ownership, you're looking at this and going, wow, we're becoming the laughing stock of the NFL. In those situations, NFL teams fire people because they're so concerned about perception, and I feel like that's where we're headed with the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, when we come back, I have a a very interesting tweet to read from Jim Trotter pertaining to a story told by a CFL quarterback, and uh, I would also I'm going to end on a little flames of my own, Myron, and say the Super Bowl window closed when they signed Kirk Cousins, I think. Oh, all right. That's hot. Yeah, that's that's how you take it to break in this biz, Myron. I don't know if you know anything about it. All right, we'll uh, we'll be right back. Myron Metcalf of ESPN, Matthew Collar here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. 
It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. Very strange story coming across pro football talk. And, uh, you know, when things are on rocky ground, it's like everybody comes to the party. As Alex Boone likes to say, (laughs) where tight ends motion, everyone comes to the party, meaning that it draws safeties and linebackers. Well, if there's some drama going on with a team, then everybody wants to get in on it to be like, I know of a dysfunctional thing. Well, I can tell you, (laughs) the media meal on Wednesday out there was delicious. They didn't mess it up. So no drama in the media room this week. That's good. But somehow the Vikings got connected in their drama to a CFL quarterback. And that is Bo Levy. Is it Levy or Levy? Levi. Levi. Bo, Bo Levi, Levi Mitchell, who hmm. on his radio show said this about having a tryout earlier this offseason with the Vikings. I'm in the office of a specific person there in Minnesota, and you know, I sit down after the workout. They tell me how much they like me, and they're like, you know, hey, you know, why why would you want to leave the CFL? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's my one opportunity to the right age. Uh, you know, if I don't get the offers I want, the guarantee I want, I'm, I'm going to go back anyways and, and play there for you know as long as I can. And uh, he was like, well, then what would you do here? Like, how can you help us win? And I was like, well, for one, I've I've never been anywhere in football and not won a championship as a starter, high school. Uh, D1, D1 AA, now here in the CFL. Everywhere I've ever been, I've won a championship within the first three years I've been there. I was like, I can help you do that. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to take Kirk's job. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want you to take Kirk's job. We want you to come in here, help him, help him with his eyes, tell him what you see, do everything you can to make him a better quarterback. But we need a good quarterback room. We don't want you to cause controversy. And at that moment, I was like, well, I'm not signing with the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> okay, so that was from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Um, okay. <clears throat> May I just call him Bo Levi Sloter? Like, buddy, I get that Kirk has had his bumps in the row. I get yeah. that. This guy threw for almost 5,000 yards in the National Football League in 2016. He's made the Pro Bowl. It's like he's a he's a 500 quarterback, not like a 0 and 16 quarterback. This isn't yeah. Nathan Peterman you're talking about here, man. I mean, that's a uh, that is a slower level lack of self-awareness, thinking yeah. that you're going to come in and take the job of maybe, like last year, Cousins is the 13th best quarterback by pro football focus, okay? Which is yeah. like exactly right. I mean, he's always somewhere in that range. And to be like, huh, they wouldn't let me compete with a $28 million a year quarterback who's been to a Pro Bowl. And it, like, oh, okay, bro. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Well, I love that he's telling it so proudly. Like, oh, yeah, showed them. Like, yeah. yeah. You got the Minnesota Vikings. We're good, bro. Take the job. Everyone asks, well, why does Sean Manning have the backup job? I don't know, because he's not a moron like this guy. But that's not not what I wanted to get to this for. I wanted the laughs from making fun of Bo Levi Mitchell, which three names, right, Myron? Can't trust him. Well, it is a great name. Also, like, what's real about that story? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. 
it sounds like a lot of guys I know growing up who are like, man, I I had a record deal like, with <laughs> right. with who? I mean, that's, that's right. Can you name anyone? Uh, was there <laughs> was it an actual record deal, or was it someone who was like, yeah, you you're pretty good? You know, there's a difference between the the two. I don't know what you gain from that. See, and I do. My think, friend knows somebody who knows Diddy who's going to exactly, set me up. Exactly. Let me tell you about the time I went on a date with Beyonce. You know that kind of thing. I actually have a friend though. I do have a friend who swears. At like a youth event in Texas, he almost got Beyonce's number. He he, he swears like he had an opportunity to almost and things fell through. Like yeah, they were like sixteen, seventeen. Oh okay, well. Um, but you know that's how Bo Levi Hunter said. Like no, no, I could have taken his job. No, you couldn't have. Taken yeah, that's his not job. even his name, Myron. Like, which I what love. Is it? It's it's, it? it's Bo Mitchell. Levi Bo Mitchell. Levi, but either Bo way, Levi, okay. But this Mitchell is Hunter. Whatever. It this is matter. not the interesting part at all. What is uh, the interesting part here was Jim Trotter, who works for NFL.com, and he was at the Packers game and asked a few questions to Cousins and, and Mike Zimmer after the game. His response to this, I think, is interesting because he quote tweeted the story and he said, um, trouble has been brewing in the Vikings organization and locker room for some time about the protective handling of Kirk Cousins. And this is Ooh. where this is where I think it's a, a very difficult situation because Mike Zimmer really thrashed Case Keenum at times. And Case was like, I just love football, boys. I'm from Texas. I don't even hear anything that guy says. I just go out and play. And it was kind of like, oh, all right, all right, I, yeah. I, I buy that. But they all saw that. They all saw that criticism of Keenum when he was there. And Kirk Cousins seems like he could throw seven picks in a game, and Zimmer would be like, well, you know, he had that one throw, but then somebody yeah. else comes up and through the years, and this is what happens when you've had a coach there for a long time, through the years, he's openly criticized certain players, and everybody who's here has been there for that, and saying, wait a minute, when the guy d- pulls a complete no-show in Chicago, and you protect him, but not us in the past, or you didn't say this, that, or the other thing, um, these are the t- types of things that happen when the tension ramps up in the building, Myron, and, and I could totally see that. I think Cousins said when he got here, I don't want you to do that to me. I don't I don't want you to um, you know, scrutinize me through the media, do it behind closed doors and things like that. But it kind of puts Zimmer, who's a very honest guy, in a tough spot because it looks like he's well, protecting one player. Well, he put himself in a tough spot, right? If you're going to tell us every Sunday that Case Keenum wasn't good enough and what he was doing on the football field was not sufficient and that there was a better option, you can't get that quote-unquote better option and then suddenly be like, well, you know, th- this guy isn't enough either. I think he put himself in that situation because once you committed to Kirk Cousins, you had to roll with this dude. And he knows he's stuck too. This is what you get. If anybody shouldn't have shown up to practice on Tuesday, it's Mike Zimmer because he's the one that is stuck with this situation and, and needs some significant changes that I don't see how you can make them midway through the season. But he not Case Keenum, told us he wasn't sufficient, and now you have a guy who clearly isn't sufficient, but he won't do the same thing to him. I agree with your point 100%, Collar, in that perhaps this is part of the Diggs frustration. If I know I'm working my tail off, and I know the other guys are working their tails off in the locker room, and I see a coach who refuses to acknowledge that our most important problem is at quarterback, that would bother me too. And that would also make me feel like, okay, this thing is only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where Diggs is. That's where a lot of guys are. That's where Sunday Adam Thielen was. I don't know about Wednesday Adam Thielen, but Sunday Adam Thielen was in that boat as well. They're going, wait a minute, man. 
What if this continues to get worse? Because they're in that locker room, they're on that field, they know what's happening, and they're not saying anything. Like, no one has said anything, Collar, to mm-hmm. make me believe that there's a way for this to change. Everything I've heard has been pessimistic. Everything I've heard has been negative, and that's a terrible sign going into Week 5. Yeah, and uh, I, I think Zimmer's in a no-win situation when it comes to criticizing Kirk Cousins because – if he comes out and says, oh boy, did you guys see that in Chicago? Yikes, there were wide receivers running open all day long. I mean, well then what does that yeah. do to Cousins? Because you're not benching him. You're not, I've gotten this tweet all week long. Like, you know, could they trade for Keenum to come back? Like, no. Uh, could they, could they, uh, you know, bench him for Sean Mannion? No, yeah. you are not no. doing that either. Like, Okay, I, I mean, I, I wrote the case on our website for and against a bounce back for Kirk Cousins, and he's never been as bad for an entire season as he has been through these first two four, four games, but he's had stretches in his career of four games that have been similar to this, where he has just not really been quite as good, and of course, two of the defenses that he lost to are very good defenses. It's kind of par for the Cousins course. You're 2-2, two and two, the two bad teams he beat, the two good teams... He lost to, he made some confusing mistakes and things like that. But I think if Zimmer comes out and says, bleep this guy, what is going on up there at the quarterback position? Then you have the potential for him to say, well, get us, get, give me a new coach then. You paying me all this money to come in. It's his fault, not my fault, right? Like you just, yeah, but- you could just make it worse if you rip on him at the podium. But if you don't, then everyone else thinks, oh, okay, we get the blame and not him. It's a, the only way that this can be cleared up is Kirk Cousins playing really good football. Yeah, and if that doesn't happen, then we're in a situation where, to, to your point, it's Zimmer or Cousins, right? And they're not getting rid of Cousins. I mean, as much as I hear these scenarios of people bringing up these ideas of what could happen. Now, I know I think you go into next year, no matter what the scenario, scenario is, you've got to draft a quarterback. I don't care what the situation is. Uh, you've got to identify someone and be willing to trade up in the draft to get a quarterback if this continues. But I don't think Cousins is going anywhere. I think he'll be here for year three as well. So what does that say about Zimmer? We have seen Mike Zimmer with his quarterback after an NFC title run, an NFC title game run in 2017, and this team is 10, 9, and 1, Kyler. You said this was an upgrade, and you are 10, 9, and 1 since that day. You, you have not improved. So how long do you go, oh, Zimmer's okay. He, he'll figure it out. How long do you do that in a league where – Coaches get fired for these reasons because they've been given tools, and they've been given a lot less coaches around this league than what Mike Zimmer has access to, Mm -hmm. and they've been fired. Like, what do you do with a guy who has all these pieces and tools, and here we are struggling through another first half of a season, not looking like a playoff team? How long do you keep him in that role? Well, so now my question is, what do you think happens? I mean, do you think that they do go to New York and get beat by that team? Because I think at the beginning of the year, when we looked at the schedule and we said, oh, at New York, well, that's a that's a W. But yeah. think, things change. All of a sudden, they have a quarterback who can get the ball out of his hands pretty quick. They have an offensive mind at the helm in Pat Shermer, who we know uh, is really, really smart. Um, and he has a great mind for offense and getting the most out of quarterbacks that are either young or maybe not as gifted as your Russell Wilsons of the world. We saw that with Case Keenum. Uh, pretty bright guy in Pat Shermer. This is now not 
the easiest road win for the Vikings. And and I guess my question is, Myron, in the past, they have been able to get themselves through these things. I would have told you in 2017, after the Vikings went to Pittsburgh and lost, and Keenum looked like very much a backup quarterback, I'm like, well, boy, they got to do something at quarterback, or this yep. season is over, and then they go 13-3. and I mean, that's a, the old takes exposed on me, because I thought this is not going to go very well after this, no matter how good your defense is, and instead, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, and you end up playing you know, a rookie quarterback in Mitch Trubisky a couple times, and, and things go your way, and Shermer handles things really well, the run game was good, the defense is number one in the league. I mean, do we see that for this season, that potential? Are we overreacting to some drama early in the year? Or are we saying, okay, now this time it's it's pretty real? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we're overreacting because it started last season, right? I mean, even if you look at last season and say, well, uh, it's a new quarterback, new system, all these things, I think clearly if you look at the experience under Kirk Cousins, it hasn't been good. And now there's reason to sound the alarm because you realize that you're struggling in the first half of the season, you're going into year three, and that this may be a team that you know has a terrible three-year stretch after making the NFC title game. Uh, I think New York is a big test because – I see 90 out of 100 times the Vikings win that game, right? It's the 10, 10 times that would worry me because I just wonder how this team responds if this ends up being more competitive than anyone had anticipated. Uh, this is a team that's top 20 offensively and defensively efficiency on football outsiders. I think that's better than what anybody had ever anticipated with that group. If it's a tough game on the road, does Kirk Cousins come in and fold again? Because my concern about the Green Bay interception was that's a guy who doesn't trust himself. Forget all of us, right? Who cares what we think? We're, we're reporters. We're media guys. Even forget if your teammates are not that invested in you. Because, you know, that will change from time to time considering how you win or you lose, if success is there or not. But as a quarterback, I want to know that my quarterback believes in himself. And I don't see a guy. And I was in Bristol, man, telling these people that about Chicago. I said, watch this. This is going to be a tighter game than anyone anticipated, right? It's going to be contentious. And it wasn't as contentious early on. And Kirk Cousins is going to have to be a playmaker. And that's where he will fold. And that's what happened. And that's what happened in Green Bay. And I think no matter what the scenario is, no matter who the opponent is in that situation, Cousins will fold, and that should scare everybody. Hmm. Well, I wish I had some sort of um, comeback to that with a stat or whatever else that I could give you and be like, ah, but Myron. Um, But I did uh, research on how he performed against top defenses, and of course that's not this week. And, And that's why I think they have still a really, really good chance to win this game, and I will pick them to win this game. Regardless of all this stuff, I will still pick them to win this game uh, because I think they're just the more talented football team. And also Zimmer's history against rookie quarterbacks. I looked up quarterbacks in their first 16 starts who had played Zimmer, and only one of them had cleared 250 yards passing, and that was Marcus Mariota, and he lost that game. So, (laughs) I mean, Zimmer against those guys, and the defense I think is very much uh, focused as they always are. Um, But, you know, I I also think that... uh, you know, when Cousins does go against those tougher teams, and that's going to be Detroit. It's like, and that's going to be Philadelphia. It's not the the New York game. Like, this problem doesn't get solved this week. I mean, there's kind of always that thing in football, like, well, winning cures everything. Well, it's not just win this week. It's going to have to be winning for these next couple of games. And my 
thought would would be, is it going to happen that every time they go into a divisional game or every time they go on the road for a tough game, if they come away with a loss, then it's always a referendum on Cousins, not from just us and not from just the national media and Stephen A. Smith and everybody else, but also from everyone in the locker room because that's the way it's felt this year. If you told me 2-2 two and two at this point, I'd be like, oh, well, that's not great, but okay, all right. They yeah. can they could certainly work out of that, as they have many times in the past. But if you told me how it happened, I would have said, oh, they're freaking out then. I mean, yeah. if, it's the, if it's the same old song and dance, and it's him making big mistakes uh, in big times in big games, well, in order to get anybody back on his side and believing in him, he's got to beat Philly. He's got to go on the road and beat the Lions. I don't think this right here, this week against the Giants, helps that it can only hurt it if he no shows against the Giants then people are going to start believing okay well th- he's so shook by everything that's going on that he's not going to be able to recover yeah and i think that that becomes a real concern and i think that's a real concern now against good teams the teams that you may not be the teams you got to make big plays against can he win those games right that still the question for Kirk Cousins and we we spent an entire year saying the system being new, new faces, new teammates, all these things. And that was a lot of us making excuses for him as well, because this was a team that should not have regressed the way it did. But we figured a year in the system, year two will be better. And here we are going, uh, how does it get better? I don't see the path to that. Kyler, I could be wrong. This team could rattle off a bunch of wins. Uh, Kirk Cousins could redeem himself, end up being a, a guy who shuts everybody up. But at this rate, this thing's going to be a disaster, man. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Uh, I want to look at a couple of the best games of the weekend because uh, this might end up, depending on how the season goes, Myron, end up having to be a staple where we go, well, the Vikings are 2-7, uh, and seven, so let's have a look yes. at the <laughs> AFC East. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see on that. I, I don't... I don't know, Myron. I, I feel like Zimmer has taken so many punches throughout the years, and he's survived them for one yeah. way or another. Um, that it's whether it's cornerbacks going rogue, or the eye thing, or the Norv thing, or and, and a lot of it is out of his hands. The Teddy injury is out of his hands, of course. He knew which quarterback could get in places with the way he wanted to play, but that quarterback had his knee collapse on a practice field. It's just, I, you have to wonder, and I think what you're saying is about this week, is just how many of these dramatic things, how many times can you be sort of in the spotlight for something that's going the wrong direction, and you just keep powering through it, and you keep winning enough to convince people, okay, well, yeah, next year all you need is this or all you need is that. All you need is a rookie center. All you need is a, is Gary Kubiak and that sort of thing. No. Um, those questions will get a lot louder if they lose today or uh, Sunday, I think. Definitely. All right, let's take a look at uh, some of the games that we'll be focusing on this Sunday. Aside from Vikings and Giants, we'll be right back here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated? Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with your Score North download. It's Bombas Away for 10K. Correctly predict who hits the first playoff home run for the Twins, and you'll be entered to win. 
$1,000. If that first bomba happens to be a Grand Slam, though, the prize then jumps up to $10,000. Entering is easy. Just download the free Score North mobile app available for Apple or Android. Register on the app and enter through listening rewards. Also, Score North is your home for Twins postseason baseball. You'll be able to find all the Twins playoff games right here on Score North on 1500. 6 p.m. first pitch tonight. Friday night, right here after Mackie and Judd, and then 4 p.m. first pitch on Saturday night. Post game, Score North Twin Shows live with your calls on AM 1500 plus the Score North mobile app that is right here on Score North. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, Matthew Collar, and Myron Metcalf here on Purple Daily. Uh, right now on my TV, a slugfest between Tampa Bay and Houston. It's 0 0 in the fifth. Um, when Justin Verlander is pitching, that's about what you would expect. And like Jonathan said, Twins here tonight on our very station. So I'm excited about that. Twins Can't wait for that, playoff man. baseball. I want to see them beat the Yankees so bad. I just don't think the Yankees deserve nice things. They're just <laughs> like to know you buy teams like that for years and years. There's nothing fun about that. You know, the Twins wow. are homegrown. Like you gotta who's who, unless you're like in New York City, who's rooting for anyone but the Twins? Oh, of, of course you're not. I, I would give the Yankees credit that you and I. In our uh, younger years, Myron, we would have disliked the Yankees for you know getting Gary Sheffield or things like oh. that, right? You know, just picking yeah. up everybody, Roger Clemens, whoever had the best free agent, they just signed them. I will give the Yankees credit for this, and I, I'm sorry for Twins fans here, but they did build this thing kind of through their farm system and everything else, and through some savvy trades. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that they they've kind of built similarly to the Twins in a lot of ways. I Give mean, them their credit. CC Stanton, I don't know if those guys are, you know, anything that the Twins have. But, yeah, they have some players who came up in the system. But collectively, you know, it's it's where the money is. Yeah, I mean, screw, yeah, screw them. I've, I've got – I've definitely – Say anything positive about the game. Right, yeah. Man. Sorry, I just wanted to give, them, doing, give them their man? credit that they built it a little bit differently than they did in the past. And then Jeter gave them Stanton, which I would also accept a great player if it was my team. So I can't blame yes. him for that. But here's where I would – um, really criticize the Yankees is uh, you guys know how to make a right field like like a right field yeah. wall. <laughs> I mean, what what geometrist put that yeah. together? Right? <laughs> no, I, that's not how outfields work. Usually, there's a field, not just a little patch of grass for the baseball to fly over after it leaves the infield. It's ridiculous! I, I, Who built that? I don't know. I mean, that, they, they can do what they want, man. I covered a Yankees Twins game back in the day, and like I, you know, you go into uh, the locker room and you're talking to players and like they were all standing in sort of the shower stalls just like sitting there so they didn't have to talk to the media and their security guys <laughs> look like ex-CIA guys man like they look mm-hmm. like guys like you know stay away f- stay 10 feet away kind of kind of guys like I don't they just don't look like they'd be fun to hang out with um no no definitely not all right uh let's take a look at some of the games that we got coming up uh, this weekend Myron Games that have either implications on the Vikings or are just awesome. So Jonathan's going to take us through. He'll set it up, and we can add our football commentary. Uh, This one, not because it's in London, I promise, but the Chicago Bears versus Oakland Raiders. Just how much is Khalil Mack going to destroy the Raiders this weekend? It's a game he's clearly looking forward to because of the trade last year. Away from an organization he said he saw himself playing his entire career for. Honestly, I'd be terrified if I was Derek Carr right now. And uh, Colton Miller, too, who, you know, is better than he was last year, Myron, but yeah. he's not good enough to go up against uh, Khalil Mack. I mean, the, the Vikings defensive line absolutely destroyed the Raiders offensive line. I think they should be terrified. 
Is someone going to be standing in front of John Gruden the entire game? Like, <laughs> what are those dudes called at the palace? Those guards that guard the queen? What do they call those dudes? They're, um, uh, I don't know. They got, they got a name. Um, I can't on, think what their up. name is. But you know what I'm talking about? I just about? remember one with, of them the punching tall, Homer the tall Simpson. Hats, the tall hats and the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and that whole thing. They need to get the royal guard, I think they're called. Okay. You got, you got to get some of those guys, man. The queen's guard? I don't. It, it, the something That's what guard, it's called. Right? On, that's what Wikipedia says they are. So what Some, you, whoever well, they are. So what yeah. were you getting at? <laughs> they, need, they need to put those dudes in front of John Gruden because, uh, you know. because oh, Khalil Mack is not going to yeah, I think he's going to take it out on his quarterback. Although Derek Carr does have a tendency to get rid of the ball uh, too quick. Sometimes and just throw it right to Harrison Smith because he's yeah. afraid of pressure that doesn't even exist. Um, <laughs> are you interested at all in watching that football game? I mean, we do like a murder on television, so that would be a reason for Wait that. You speak for yourself on that, Collar. Don't 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 it's get me involved. It's in a whatever violent you're, society. Whatever out you're there. talking about. Here's here's what I can appreciate though. Okay, what do you got on your Netflix? I bet there's murders. Well, there's there are a few murders. Here's okay, the thing. Though. All right. Um, the game is actually on at a decent time. It's a it's a noon kickoff, which all these other London games were at like eight a.m. See, I like the morning thing. You get up, sort of get going around. There's a game Not on. for a terrible game. Though. Have nine a.m. football, twelve p.m. football. Well, where, but only if it's football. good. When I go, you feel forced it, to watch. If it's a home know? Viking game and I'm getting ready for the game and I'm watching an actual football game that counts up on the TV, where I'm just sort of preparing. And by preparing, I mean eating eggs and sausage and bacon and whatever they've provided. Um, that's nice, but okay, all right, noon o'clock, that's fine. Uh, all right, what's your next one, Jonathan? Make it a better football game. Uh, Green Bay Packers <laughs> versus Dallas Cowboys. There, is that one better? Uh, this that's one huge. just had a little bit of a sting taken out of it with Devontae Adams being ruled out, but it's still yeah, two 3-1 uh, teams that. that have looked good taking on each other in Dallas this weekend. Both are coming off losses. How do they respond, and how much offense do we see between these two teams? See, Myron, I, uh, I was, I'm kind of a Dak supporter, if you will, or a believer. Maybe believer is better, because, you know, I don't know. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't do it, it doesn't affect the paycheck, so I'm fine with it. But, but, but a little bit of a Dak believer here, and I think Dallas's defense is really, really good. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they really beat up on Green Bay here. Yeah, I think Dallas is the better team, um, and that's why I think there's far more pressure on the Cowboys. Uh, now the Packers don't have Devontae Adams. That's a huge, huge loss, but if they go down there and chop them up the way that they did a couple years ago in the playoffs uh, when they went on that miraculous run to get into the playoffs and then beat the Cowboys and they're the top seed, now you're going to start to you know wonder if the Cowboys have enough juice. But I think this is a big moment for Matt LaFleur and, and Green Bay to at least be competitive. I don't think they win. But certainly for the Cowboys, if you're a Super Bowl contender, you bounce back from a tough loss, you win games like this one uh, against Green Bay. Are they ever going to pay Dak, by the way, Colin? Like, what's that? Uh, when did, where when does that, that money come from? I mean, uh, Jerry yeah, can't gotta... just pull it out of his own pockets, right? Although Robert Kraft found ways to sneak Tom Brady money. <laughs> yeah, you you got to give him. Good idea. You got to announce it at some point. Right? You got to pay him, right? I think they will, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to have a good year with Kellen Moore, and he's got better weapons now, and probably will not play as poorly as he did uh, against New Orleans. The, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle with him. He's yeah. not as good as those first couple weeks, not as bad as he was uh, against New Orleans. Here's a Dallas-Green Bay question for you. Which offense would you rather have to win a single game, let's say against the 85 Bears? Would you rather have the 1992-93 Dallas Cowboys offense, or would you rather have the 96 Green Bay Packers? Oh, 96 Green Bay Packers. 
all day. But I'm biased, though. You can't ask me that question. I'm a Wisconsin guy. I'm I'm definitely biased. By the way, is Kellen Moore going to coach the Vikings next year? Probably. No, is he going to is he going to miss the Dallas game? That's the same weekend as his prom. Oh wow! Really? I don't know. How does that work? Yeah, seems a little early for prom, doesn't it? Maybe it is. Or what homecoming, would, you, what would he say back to you? At least I can run. Like, Maybe, I mean, probably. come on, man. <laughs> he, he is. He, he is. He is sixteen. He's sixteen. Uh, that was uncalled. He's a prodigy. That was uncalled thing. for. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Dallas team because I saw them several times in Super Bowls beat the Buffalo Bills, who had an amazing football team. And I don't think uh, anybody's stopping that offensive line. In 92-93. That was a crazy line. That was a scary offensive line. All right, give us one more game, Jonathan. Uh, This one's the Monday Nighter. Cleveland Browns heading out to San Francisco. Both teams kind of went into this season with some expectations, and the Browns kind of failed to live up to those expectations. The 49ers have surpassed theirs so far, going 3-0. So which, which team is real here? Is it the Cleveland Browns that have struggled through the first four weeks? though getting a big win last week against the Ravens, or is it the 3-0 San Francisco 49ers? I like San Francisco, Myron. I think they're legit. Yeah, I, I judge teams on you know what they can do defensively, and this is one of the best defenses in the league, clearly. They go to Tampa Bay, win that game. Tampa Bay comes back and wins a big game last weekend. I, I just think you know the 49ers might be for real, and if they win Monday, uh, I think it says more about the Browns and what they're trying to do in terms of how they compete on Monday night, because if they get blown out, then people will continue to say that they're a joke and they're overrated. Okay, final thought on uh, Vikings-Giants. You're taking a Vikings win? I'm I'm taking a Vikings win, and again, if there's a loss, someone will be fired Monday. I'll stand by that. I don't know who, but someone gets fired Monday if they lose. It's got to be like Dan Bailey or something, right? Somebody. Missed three field goals. (laughs) Whole team skips practice Tuesday, maybe. (laughs) Well, they always skip practice on Tuesday. Well, you know what I'm I'm talking about. Help me out with my point. You know, as as you know what, here's why I took offense. I also look like a teenager because I can't grow any facial hair. So your shot at Kellen Moore was upsetting to me. That's oh, the problem. I wish I cared, but I just don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay, Myron. Um, next week we'll be back at it here from uh, two to three every Friday. Myself, Myron Metcalf, uh, Brian Murphy will be in studio next. We'll also talk to Charles McDonald um, about the New York Football Giants. Thanks, Myron. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks, man. Good times. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Brian Murphy comes in studio. We will continue to preview Vikings and Giants when we return here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. That's a good friend. Good football coach. Uh, we appreciate everything that he, he did when he was here. Uh, he's doing a nice job there. They're eighth in the league or sixth in the league, I think, in total offense. So uh, they're doing a really good job, and it'd be fun to go play. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer talking about the uh, New York football giants who the Vikings will play on Sunday. If you did not know that, now normally, uh, Brian Murphy, I would be. Sitting here talking about, oh, Saquon Barkley is out and Daniel Jones, do you like him? But the uh, Vikings decided they had other plans for us for this week. What has been your thought? Um, or what is your be- Here's a better question. Mm-hmm. What's been your best snark so far? Have you, like your, be- your best tweet or your best whatever it might be. You're, you always are good for a one-liner. I, when I you're think Stefan Diggs said absolutely nothing and everything yesterday in that very well-crafted, artful 
passive aggressive dodge. Yeah. Is what it was. Yes. Play it. <laughs> Play it, Jonathan. I mean, Play I don't know who that served. I think it served him well. <laughs> the turbo snark is so great. I mean, it's I well crafted. I just uh, what the hell is he thinking? Like I, with, I mean, he goes up there and goes. Uh, uh, oh I'm yeah, a, that was. I'm a little. That Ill. was legitimate. You're like, okay, no one believes that. Says what every hungover guy who called in sick on Monday. <laughs> I mean, and here, and I will tell you the truth from covering Stefan Diggs for this entire time of his career, uh, except for. 2015 so 16 on and i've talked to him i don't know how many times one-on-one done long stories on him everything else he is a really smart guy he's a really bright dude and to to have that happen to him seemed above all this yeah and well he was like nervous it seemed and he was sweating and and he just didn't know how to answer any of the questions that he had to know were coming right yeah i mean did did he think he was gonna say <laughs> Sorry, guys, can't do the rest of the press conference. Uh, I, I need my medical mask or something. I mean, what did he think was going to happen? As somebody there? who I'm not in sort of full time media anymore, but as somebody who was, and I, I hate to say this, I don't think he should have talked at all. He should have kept his low profile as he had uh, post game, and apparently last week he wasn't talking either because clearly he's upset. I mean, everybody knows that now. It's it's uh, only a moron cannot read between the lines, and yeah. he just managed to throw more gas on that fire by really not being up front, by evading, by throwing it on his agent, by uh, saying I'm upset with everybody. There's truth to all rumors. I mean, great album. What's, uh, yes, it is. That sounds like a great vinyl <laughs> right. cover. Right. Um, classic albums tonight on Access. Very artistic cover. It's like a very colorful from the 70s. Uh, I'll say this, though about Diggs and how much he struggled at that podium is I uh, tend to have a respect and for Zimmer this way too of people who suck at lying like you clearly need to do more of it and practice more if this is what comes out when you're trying to lie to us I mean uh, you know I think basically what he told us there was yeah what like okay I'm sure everything's not exactly true that's been out there but everything that you guys think it is the quarterback, the system, the coach not holding Kirk Cousins accountable at the podium, things like that, it, running the football all the time. Everything you guys think it is, that's what it is. And what I would love to hear, though, is what else is it, though? Because we can put all those together and say, yeah, there's plenty of reason to be frustrated. It is week five. I mean, this happened much earlier than I expected it to, um, just because of two games that they could have e- easily won either one. Um, so I, I guess that's where I, I would love to know the rest of the story from Stefan Diggs. Well, he also didn't show up at OTAs. Didn't that sort of light the match? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and then gave us an excuse again that was not lied very well. Uh, I had a housing issue, he said. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, I, right. But don't you appreciate people who aren't good at lying? Can we at least say that? Because they're, they, they, they what? Because they have a moral compass? Is that what we're saying? Or I think so. Okay. I read a study once about people who lie a lot. This has nothing to do with politics at all i promise you <laughs> and uh it talked about how you can train your brain to be a really good liar it's almost like george costanza the it's only a lie if you don't you believe did. it or whatever right it's not a lie if you believe it anyway so you can literally train yourself to be a a, a, a better liar but if you don't lie usually then you're bad at it it's like any skill it's like judge shooting basketballs all right
Um, now, we will bring in one of my favorite guys who is now a New York football reporter. Uh, Charles, it's been a wonderful ride from Football Outsiders to SB Nation, and now you're a New York media member. What has happened? You've gone big time. Yeah, what can I say? I'm like super duper official now, even though I'm still, you know, making the same crude and crash jokes on Twitter. <laughs> Senior NFL writer for New York Daily News, which sounds just way too legit for a guy who has the great Twitter handle at four verts. So uh, what, what, what has been your impression um, of how the Vikings are being viewed coming into play the New York Giants? Because here, we've barely mentioned the name New York Giants this week with everything going on with Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I, well, I've uh, spent a lot of time watching uh, Giants and Jets football this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I did get to catch some, uh, some of the Vikings. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Like, you're almost in the same spot, like if you want to look at parallels between the two teams, like just a year ago, uh, or maybe a little bit more than a year ago at this point, uh, you know, there were some rumblings that Odell Beckham was a little bit unhappy with the performance of Eli Manning. And, you know, I, I don't think that he ever voiced it in the same way that Stefan Diggs did this week, but you're kind of in a similar situation where you have, you know, the star receiver who I think we all know could be a little bit more productive than he is right now. And I think a lot of that comes back to the quarterback. I mean, if you just look at how Kirk Cousins played against the Bears and, you know, how he's played the last two weeks, you know, you can kind of see why Stephon Diggs is a little bit frustrated. And, you know, I think one thing that's kind of interesting about this week is this could almost be like a get-right game that maybe not solves all the problems between Kirk and Stephon, but maybe it puts a bandaid on because even with the Giants getting, you know, smothering the Washington's pass offense last week and Haskins had three interceptions. They're still one of the worst against the pass in the league. So, you know, DeAndre Baker has not played well at all. Janoris Jenkins outside of last week has not played well at all this year. So, you know, Gillen and Diggs, this could be a get right game for them if Kirk can just, you know, stop acting crazy just because, you know, get together. <laughs> you mean throw it when they're open? I mean, that was the biggest thing last week, Charles. They just wouldn't throw it when they were open. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even on a, there was one play last week against Chicago where Dillon was, like, wide open down the field or, you know, at least wide open by NFL standards where you have, like, two or three steps on the mm-hmm. guy deep down the field, and Kirk just missed him. And even on that fourth and five play late on the game where, you know, even if Dillon had caught the ball, the DB was a position where he probably was going to end up, like, a yard or two short of the first down marker. But, man, you know, he wasn't even close on the throw. It's just like a slant that's right in front of you. So you, you get into a situation where you're looking at your quarterback – and you paid him $84 million, like the first fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. And the results just don't even get close to what you're looking for when you, when you throw someone that kind of money with, you know, the intention that they're going to see every penny that you promise them. And it, I, I get why Kirk, uh, I get why Stefan is upset. And, you know, it, it's, it really is a similar situation to where uh, the Giants were in last year with Odell. Charles, so much, uh, it would be hard to to have a better debut, I guess, uh, than Daniel Jones had against uh, Tampa a couple of weeks ago. You know, three hundred thirty some yards, uh, two two scores, big rally from a eighteen twenty point deficit, whatever it was. And then last week, you know, it's a little bit more marginal against Washington. So, what have what have you learned? He's got two wins to his credit, but what have you learned about him as a starter yet? Uh, you know, I, I think. I'm, I personally, I think his performance has been a little bit overrated, but 
he's giving you one thing that Eli Manning does not give you at all at this point in his career, and that's the ability to make plays like on the fly. Because you know it, it, it happens to everyone, and Eli is just not that guy anymore who can come around and you know escape the pocket and run and make throws on the run, and that's just kind of a of you know a time thing where he's not getting any younger. But Daniel Jones' athleticism has really kind of opened things up for this offense. And, you know, like you said, he threw two picks last week and he probably should have thrown like a pick six versus Tampa Bay. But all right, you see like the ability to make plays on the run. You see the like the creativity, just like things are happening on the fly. There's chaos around him. And he's still keeping his eyes downfield and he's still trying to make these throws. So that, that's one thing that you really see from Daniel Jones that you weren't getting from Eli Manning. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting because when you look at advanced metrics like DVOA, you know, the the Bucks are, a, I think, a top six defense. And there's a little bit of disparity because their run defense is a lot better than their pass defense right now. But their pass defense is still improved from last year. And, and Washington, I mean, is just kind of a disaster on, you know, it's another year. So Washington is a disaster as usual. But uh, <laughs> they... they they, you know, even without like the two interceptions, and I know, you know, two interceptions is a big deal. Like, there's still a lot of positives to take away from this game. And even if he's not quite as good as he's being billed right now, he's still a significant upgrade over Eli Manning. Just, you know, due to the athleticism and willingness to make plays on the run, and you know, you, you pair that with an improved offensive line. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because the guy that you guys are familiar with, Mike Remmers, he is a uh, He's playing really, really good football right now. And That's like, because he's a tackle. Can I, can I, like, just for a second? He's not a guard, and when you move him from tackle and he plays good football to guard where he's never played before, he's bad at football. Sorry, Charles. Go ahead. Continue. That, yeah. Like, are, really? He was totally fine, and then they just moved him, and it didn't make any sense. Go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right on the money though, because when you, if you go back and you look at it, it, you just watch the film. I mean, uh, the Giants offensive line, if you look at it in terms of tackle for loss, uh, like plays that end in, in rushing yard, running, running plays that end in like zero or fewer yards. Right now, they're fourth in the league in terms of percentage of those. And a, a big, you know, reason for that is Kevin Zeitler and Mike, Re- Mike Remmer is on the right side of the offensive line. Like they're playing as good as any duo in the league right now. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of take that improvement on the offensive line and Daniel Jones, like I said, he, he's just, a, you know, not that it's a very high bar to clear, but he's a better quarterback than Eli Manning right now. You, you kind of see why the, the Giants offense has taken off might be a bit strong, but, you know, they played better over the last two games. So, you know, no, New York fans notoriously fickle, uh, you know, first round pick out of Duke, smart kid, obviously taking over for Super Bowl legend at any at any rate. How has the fan base embraced or accepted him? And does he have what it takes to be not just a starter in the NFL, but a successful starter in New York? Uh, you know, I, th- I think the fan base is, you know, it's like any fan base. When you you see a guy and uh, it, it just looks different than what you're used to seeing over the last two years. And it's fun and he's taking risks down the field. And, you know, so far, so good. You know, you've got two wins uh, under your belt. He's 2-0 and as a starter. I think this week might be uh, a bit of a tougher test for him because, you know, you can look at Tampa Bay and say, you know, these metrics say that they're a good defense right now. But when you look at, if you just, you know, side by side, look at their roster versus Minnesota's, at least on defense, you know, it's pretty easy to to say that Minnesota has a better defense. So, you know, for now, all good. 
Uh, and we're going to see how he performs against a really talented defense this coming Sunday and, you know, probably the toughest test of his young career so far. But, you know, I, I think they're embracing them. I mean, you see people every day now in my mentions, I get someone retweeting their favorite tweet that says their name is like hashtag Danny Dimes. So <laughs> I, I think that they're, uh, they're embracing this and hopefully he continues to play well because I learned very quickly this week that, uh, the New York fan base can be can be rabid. I mean, to, <laughs> I put it on uh, my first piece. My first piece this week that went in the New York Daily News uh, in the newspaper, it was just talking about, you know, the Giants offensive line, like I talked about earlier. And the headline was, you know, Big Blue is among NFL surprises. And I got these people who clearly did not read a single word of the article. Never do. Me, oh, <laughs> you know, they beat the Vikings or they beat the, uh, the Bucks and the Redskins. Like, well, yeah, but I didn't even really talk about that, so you could read it and figure it out. But, yeah, these people are kind of nutty. Oh, well, well, we'll fight that battle for the rest of our lives, Charles. Um, talking with uh, Charles McDonald, senior NFL writer from the New York Daily News, uh, and I was going to add one more piece of snark, which I can't wait to hear broadcasters say, you know, this Jones is sneaky athletic. I don't know if you like the the Alex Smith thing where he would take off and run and he was really fast athletic. They'd be like, you know what people don't know about Alex Smith? He's athletic. They don't know that about him. Anyway, um, Golden Tate, he uh, apparently was using some sort of fertility thing, and that was why he got his four-game suspension. But you know what? He has been a Viking killer uh, for the Detroit Lions over the years, and the Vikings are without their starting nickel cornerback, Charles. How are they going to implement Golden Tate? And I guess the other part of that question is, do they have like good weapons now that he's back? Uh, I don't know if it's, like, great, but it's interesting. And I think the one thing that you need to keep an eye on this week is Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and even Evan Ingram to a degree, like, they all kind of work best out of the slot. And, you know, it's not like you can just jam-pack three guys into the slot and every play. You know, some guys are going to have to play outside or you might have to use Evan Ingram a little bit more as an inline blocker. So, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to just to see how they – they stagger those guys' reps in the slot and really just to make the most out of what they could do in the football field because, you know, they all come in different sizes. I mean, if you look at Evan Ingram and Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, physically they look like very different receivers, but stylistically you can use them a lot in the same way where, you know, all three of them have the capability to just beat guys off, uh, like off a press with a double move or, you know, their releases are all really good. And, you know, if you watch, especially last week against Washington, you know, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, like they're getting open with ease like, uh, against these linebackers and safeties in the slot. And, you know, Golden Tate can do a lot of the same things. And I, I think, you know, he's a, he's a dynamic player, but the fit is something that we still need to see get worked out. And it's not like he's been there over the first four weeks and he just got back to the facilities on Monday when he had his press conference there and he was just talking about how, you know, he didn't even really watch too much of the Giants because I guess he was on vacation in San Diego, or not vacation, because he specifically said he was not vacation, but, you know, he was chilling in San Diego with his family and working out there, but he said he hasn't really seen too much of the Giants because he was suspended. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets acclimated to his offense and how Pat Shermer does it. But, you know, honestly, I've, 
been pretty impressed with Pat Shermer over the past two games, just with the plays he's dialed up for Daniel Jones and how he's kind of made life easier for his playmakers too. So maybe he already has a plan in place, and he probably does. And it's just going to be interesting to see how they stack those minutes. But all three of them have the potential to do damage out of the slot. Oh, man. You even bring up Pat Shermer. Like, Vikings fans here. Oh, are, yeah, I forgot. I mean, they're, they're making, like, mashed potato statues of Pat Shermer this week if the Giants win. Like, come back if I make this for you. Um Okay, that went in a weird place. Anyway, that's uh, that's it for me. Uh, um, Charles, awesome awesome stuff. Who are you picking for this game? Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants. I mean, not the Giants. I mean, the Vikings. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Those are the, those are the two selections yeah. that you could have chosen. <laughs> yeah. from, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the uh, the Vikings to win. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been pretty impressed with Daniel Jones. I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, like any quarterback, but I just think that this – amount of talent in Mike Zimmer might just be a little bit too much for him to overcome uh, on Sunday. And, you know, I hope Giants fans aren't listening to this because uh, they will destroy my mentions. <laughs> I've that real quick. I, I did tweet the link to stream online, so hopefully uh, you're, you're not in danger now. Well, Charles, uh, very happy that you are now with New York Daily News. Always do great stuff. Appreciate you having you on, man. We'll do it again soon. All right, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yep. Charles. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Charles McDonald, the guy who, um, you know, just worked his way up. You can I, make it there. I, you can make it anywhere. I found him. and <laughs> You de- found him. Developed him through 10-minute segments on our show. And got him to the New York Daily News. New York Daily News. I mean, you're on Purple Daily, you become a star. That's all there is Now to he's it. a tabloid Look writer. at Alex Boone. People thought, oh, he's just a, okay, not that great offensive line for the Vikings. And now he's a media star. He did go through the media boot camp at the NFL Network, though, right? Did that help? No. No. It's me. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. That's I got nothing else to say maker. there. Yeah, exactly. Matthew Everything Collar. I touch turns to gold, except for the Vikings. Uh, let's uh, continue to preview this game, and let's talk about... Um, let's do a little like pie chart of blame here when Ooh, it comes to... I like to that. Blame game. ...where they're at with their drama. And then let's talk a little more in depth about whether we think they win... And I'll give you Myron Metcalf's hot take when we come back from earlier about this game. All right, we'll do that here on Purple Daily. I think, I think the frustration is with you is, is you guys. It's not us. We, we're not frustrated. We're going to work. I don't think uh, if you guys watched practice today, we were flying around, we were having fun, and we were making plays. So um, I think uh, that's, a, that's a media thing uh, more than uh, frustration from us because, um, yeah, on, on, you know, after a game, things like that, you're going to show frustration. But... You know, now we're worried about New York, and and we're not frustrated at all. Nope. Uh, Now, let me read something else here from Adam Thielen. I received a text from some friends on the Vikings beat WCCO interview that he did today, and their headline for their post on their Twitter was, The media always tries to twist these things. Adam Thielen on This Week in the Locker Room. Uh, I don't think so, Adam. I mean, I, I think that maybe you, you would have had a strong case that the Kirk apology was over the top. Like, I'm seeing Stephen A. Smith scream about it. I'm seeing PTI talk about it. I'm seeing Lebitard. Should he have apologized? Who cares? Like, I didn't even post it on our website. I was like, I don't know. Is this a big deal? And apparently they thought so. So I get that from Thielen. But if you're talking about dig, skip, and practice and all the other drama that's gone on here since Sunday, uh, no, that's not a media creation. That's your friend not coming to the facility for three days when he's supposed to be there and then admitting to his own frustration with the team 
and saying there's truth in all the rumors. Come on, man, that's not a creation in any way, shape, or form. But here's that's the first. That's the first thing in crisis management. Always, first of all, always blame the blame media. the media. Works in politics sometimes, not all the time. What do you got? Um, You're scrolling okay, through yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm creating for you because Courtney Cronin struggles with this, so I'm just going to do it for you. Pie chart of blame. I want from oh, you, Brian. Okay. I want percentages. You to tell me, who is to blame for all of the drama with these two wide receivers? Because now Thielen, to me, is roped in with it because his comments here blaming the media, that's always going to make headlines. You want to get on the bottom scroll or on everybody's website, say it's the media's fault because they'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he also was very uh, chatty on Sunday with his frustration, and right. then he was apologized to by his quarterback in another radio interview with him sitting right next to him. So, are we talking percentages here? We're talking percentages out of a hundred percent. And when you st- when you say would you define drama? Uh, you got to uh, narrow that down for I'm me. I'm going to go just general distraction going into. I'm going to say eighty five percent Kirk Cousins. Okay, that's a heck of a place to start. All right, so I got uh, Diggs, Thielen, Zimmer. I'll even throw Spielman as a possibility. Well, Do you eh, want to make it all Cousins? You're right. I just there is a case for eighty five percent. If Kirk Cousins plays like an NFL quarterback or an average NFL quarterback, we probably don't have a lot of this. Would you not agree? I, yeah. Uh, I, so I it's the root of all. Uh, not no, evil. He's not an evil guy. The root of all Seems problems. Like here. All right, movie. I'll say sixty five percent Kirk Cousins. Sixty five. Sixty five percent Cousins. 20% digs. When, when people go with a 5%, it always gets them later. So I'm looking forward right, to that. All right, 68%. <laughs> 68% Cousins. What was 19% it? Diggs. Oh, this is amazing. Now I don't know where I'm at nope, in the math. No, nope, you shouldn't so, have done that. 20% uh, Diggs. You're worse left? than Courtney. What's left? Least. Well, if you okay, 15, I'm, I'm, 15% to spread around everybody else. 14% Zimmer, 1% Thielen. What I'll give a, I'll give Thielen a pass on the whole media thing because that's a e- reflexive thing to say. Sure, okay. And I I'm not going to be def- I'm not in the media really that much anymore, so I, little, I, little it doesn't bit. it doesn't offend me. Um, I'm not in the media anymore. He said on a radio show. Uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, sixty five percent. Let's start right there. I mean, is it just Kirk Cousins needing to play better? Because I tend to think. Not really. I mean, the numbers that you these asked guys... for a cheap little narrow excuse or a, a pie chart. I gave you that. Now you want context. That's see, <laughs> okay. You don't understand how Go the ahead. show works. The bit works this way: we pull out <laughs> the pie chart, we write down the percentages, and then we talk about. Them I know because we have a whole hour. All right. My gosh, guess who's not coming in next Friday? Uh, I, I just blew it. Um, it was a fun run, but. Uh, my question off of your 65% Kirk Cousins for pie chart of blame is, is it only throw the dang football when they're open to them and have them catch it and everything is okay? Because I tend to think that answer is not really. Not really. That there's a lot more to this than just, well, he missed some reads down the field in week four. I think there, yes, I think there's a sense of... uh Cousins escapes public blame. Not, I shouldn't say public blame. He's obviously getting barbecued publicly. Uh, accountability from the boss. Uh, Mike Zimmer has been reluctant to be harsh in his criticism when he very well could be. Um, you know, I don't know if it serves Zimmer well to to throw his quarterback down a drain hole every no week. win situation for Zimmer. Um, I think. But he does. There's a credibility gap uh, if you if you sort of apologize for him week after week or just sort of not. 
uh, you know, to, you know, put the, mm-hmm. the soft pedal it, and and especially if you're being critical of the rest of the rest of the club. So I I can see that, uh, but yeah, and he's also been on his back a lot lately. Uh, so then throw the offensive line down the down the drain hole as well. But Cousins has missed Thielen. Mm-hmm. Cousins has not really targeted Diggs. He's checked down more. I mean, I, you probably know the numbers better than me. Oh, I um, most certainly do. And I, it he doesn't he doesn't exude that. You know, I'm the alpha male in the room, and you're all going to jump on my back, and we're all going to go and conquer Rome here. He just does not exude that, and I think Diggs has has picked up on that, and um, his frustration is uh, understandable. I don't know if he's handled it well though. I'm going to give you the quarterbacks who have thrown the ball down the field less in terms of percentage, not total throws, than Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones, rookie. Case Keenum, bad at football. Eli Manning, benched. (laughs) Andy Dalton, very bad at football. Joe Flacco, extremely bad at football. And Jared Goff, not having a very good season so far. Those are the only guys. Right now, there are 25 quarterbacks who, at a higher percentage of rate, are working the ball down the field. So I think that that is a big issue right there is the Vikings whole strategy was let's run the football and then we will run these play actions and have these receivers going deep. And when you look at the game tape from the other day, you see them running deep route combinations, but they're open a lot. Their opportunities are there. And what you have is it almost looked like, I don't know if you remember this game, Brock Osweiler against the Vikings 2016. And the Vikings defense was just mauling him. And his the defenders after the game said that his eyes were basically dropping to look at the rush, which you don't ever want to do as a quarterback. You want to keep them downfield. But that's what happens when quarterbacks get terrified and flustered. And that's what happened to Osweiler. And that's what happened to Kirk Cousins the other day. And you know, I think if you're a wide receiver and you're saying, well, I'm running the route that I'm supposed to be running. And if you're the offensive coordinator, you're saying, well, he was open. And if even if you're the offensive lineman, you're saying wasn't actually pressured on that play. He just went through his progression way too fast and checked it down to Amir Abdullah. Then it is all so much pointing at Kirk Cousins for this of, okay, you can't handle the pressure. You can't handle the big situation. You can't handle Soldier Field and all that. So it goes beyond just, well, you didn't make certain throws. It's, can you even do it when we need you to? So within that 65%, we need to assign probably 40% blame to the offensive line. Yeah. If you want to subset it. You want to subset it? To some extent, yes. But also, there was a huge PFF study on this that found that quarterbacks create a lot of their own pressure, and that is the Kirk Cousins story to me. Is The offensive line has been abysmal, especially in the middle. Um, I mean, I wrote a piece this week about, like, should they bench the center because it's yeah, he going should, he should, should he even really, be playing. I feel really bad for the kid. I, I don't know if he should have been thrown into this right now. He should have been developed. He is getting manhandled about as badly as I've ever seen someone get manhandled. He's 10 points worse than the next worst guy on pro football focus. But it's certainly not the only issue because when you look at how long Cousins is holding the ball, he's holding the ball longer snap to throw than anyone else in the league. And He's, a lot of that pressure gets there when you hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball. So, I mean, yeah, it's not 40%. It's probably more like 10 goes to the offensive line. And I've always gotten frustrated with the, how could he play with a bad offensive line? Like, I don't know. Lots of quarterbacks do. And 
they're all overmatched, almost all these offensive lines, but you have a quarterback who just can't handle it a lot of times, which I think speaks to the frustration of the other players on the team because the offensive linemen are getting ripped in the meetings. They're going, well, he could have thrown the ball. And (laughs) the receivers are going... He wasn't even pressured on that play, and I'm wide open, and I'm the read. Like you can see how this sort of all builds. But I also think and then he goes uh, and then he goes and apologizes publicly, and yep. he's falling on his sword left and right. Apologizes, and then he says, "Oh, I don't know what uh, this criticism. I someone texted me about it, but I don't know anything about it other than that." I, but I think where the the big part of it is, if you had a guy who did have these same issues, but also was kind of a boss. Like, kind of, I'm in charge. Bleep you guys. I make a lot of money, okay? I have expensive books. I mean, then I, I think it might be, I think it might be a little different. It might be a little more like, all right, well, this is the guy who's in charge, and that's how it is. They need an but, alpha male. Exactly. But when it feels like, the guy is sort of wishy-washy and, well, you know, I made the right read. That's the one thing with Cousins where my head sort of like swells up with rage is when he starts talking about like, well, that was the read on the play. You're like, well, congratulations, it didn't work. Like, do you get extra bonus happy points for hitting the right read that's the fullback that gets two yards? I don't think so. Last time I checked, you're supposed to score at the other side of the field. He's uh, he's about as tone deaf as they come, and I don't think he sees... I don't see. I don't think he sees the criticism coming. I don't think he sees the lack of leadership uh, questions or the the questions about his leadership ability. I, he he doesn't seem to understand where that's coming from. Um, and now, and you have a head coach who I think senses the fact that if he does come over the top publicly with criticism, he is going to destroy his quarterback if he right. isn't already. Right. But that buys him no credibility in the rest of the locker room right now. Right. Uh, so what the solution to this, if there is one, is for him to just come out and play a decent game. Right. Nobody's asking him to be a superstar, even though he's getting paid like it. Just come out and play a decent game. And it will cover a multitude of sins right now. You know what's wild about it, though, is every time you're like, well, he's going to eventually. Because he's just too good, right? I mean, he's just too talented. And going into Chicago... I tweeted someone at this, uh, and maybe somebody can pull it up and make fun of me for it because I was wrong. I said, you know, I think this could be the one where he kind of grinds out a victory or something, where he pulls a Teddy Bridgewater win and throws for 175 yards, but they were important and hits on a couple of big plays and they grind out some runs and they win. I think I picked like 21-17 or something like that for a win. And... uh, I mean, even in Green Bay, I thought, well, you could go there and you could throw it around on them a little bit. Like, they're not a perfect defense, and you could beat them in a grind fest, and they didn't do it there. It's like, okay, so let's go through it now. In Philadelphia last year, they get a big win for Kirk Cousins on the road. Linval Joseph also picked up a fumble and ran at 75 yards in one of the wildest feats of mankind I've ever seen. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Aside from that, yeah, there was an earthquake in that building at that time. Uh, but as, you know, aside from that, he played good in that game. And so it's not impossible, but every other big, important game as a Minnesota Viking, he has come up about as short as you can come up, and I just keep sort of waiting for it. Like, regression, law of numbers says that someone this good at football should come through big. That better start happening really bleeping fast here when they play Philly, when they play Detroit, because I don't think this game means a whole lot toward that. No, uh, well... Yeah, the Oakland game, you could say, doesn't mean much. This means a lot because of what's been going on off the field. Uh, there's a lot at stake in this game uh, because 
you, the Giants are an should be an inferior opponent. Granted, you're on the road, uh, but you know you got a a top rated, hungry, should be fairly well organized, ready to take charge defense going up against a rookie quarterback and only his third start. This is a game the Vikings do have to win. So to say it's not it it, it it's not. It doesn't have the divisional uh, implications that, of course, Green Bay and Chicago do. But a road game to stop the bleeding and to 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 regain some confidence in the market in your locker room. Yeah, this one counts. This one counts big. Okay, let me clarify. I think if you lose this, then it counts big, and it's an implosion. And I will get to Myron Metcalf's hot take, which I did not forget. Almost came very close to forgetting my tease, which I do every single day. Um, I think if you win, everyone goes, yeah, well. Maybe, but it's not as much of a shrug as it was against Oakland, I think. Yeah, because right. I just Oakland think there's kind of a buzz. I think there, because we, as we said several times, we didn't learn anything about Kirk Cousins in that Oakland game. Well, I think we're, if, if they win, I think you're going to learn something about Diggs. You're going to learn something about Thielen. I think you're going to learn a little bit of something about Cousins. I don't know. No? I really, well, I think that this Giants defense isn't any good, though. That, that would be. Where I would say, if then you, do something about if it. If you go in and you throw for 300 yards and these guys each get seven or eight or nine catches and a touchdown or two and you win 38 to seven or something, then everyone will kind of go, well, yeah, I mean, we're supposed to beat the Giants. We're supposed to beat the Falcons. They're bad. We're supposed to beat the Raiders. They're not quite Raiders level, but the Raiders are an NFL team and a bad one. And they're trying, it seems, because they beat another team on the road last week. And the Giants will be trying, but they're not as talented as this team, and their defense is bad. And, and you should just go in there and throw the ball all over them. When you play Philly and when you play Detroit, then that gets the focus like big, absolutely. big time. I, absolutely, and it, she should be judged accordingly uh, on those big moments, uh, even harder. Uh, but, man, uh, with all of that has been said and all of the oxygen that's been sucked out of the room because of digs, uh, to go in there and win, I think it, it gives everybody a collective sigh of relief and you can move forward a little bit. All right. Um, here's Myron Metcalf's hot take. Then we take a break. Then you react to it, which is exactly how I plan the segment. Uh, Myron said if they lose in New York, someone is getting fired. He just doesn't know who or there's going to be some big change if the, they drop the, the team two pilot. And, two and ah, react on the other side of the break. All right, okay. Okay. Matthew Collar. Uh, Brian Murphy here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. It's Bombas Away for 10K. Correctly predict who hits the first playoff home run for your Minnesota Twins, and you'll be entered to win $1,000. If that first Bomba, though, happens to be a Grand Slam, the prize then jumps to $10,000. Entering is easy. Just download the free Score North mobile app, which is available on Apple or Android. Register on the app and enter through listening Rewards. If you're looking for your Vikings injury report heading into the Week 5 game against the Giants, there are three names or four names that we're interested in that are out, that are listed as out for each team. Kentrell Brothers and Mackenzie Alexander are out for the Vikings. Saquon Barkley listed as out today by the Giants. Alex, Alec Ogletree also listed out for the Giants. He hasn't practiced all week. Saquon Barkley did not practice Wednesday and Thursday, but was limited on Friday. He is listed out, so the Vikings will take on the backup running back there in New York, Wayne Gallman. That's been your Scornor download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily.
All right, we are back, and I have remembered my tease. I presented you, Brian Murphy, with Myron Metcalf's blazing take from earlier in this very program about uh, the Vikings and this weekend's contest. He said if they don't come away with New York uh, from New York with a win, which I believe they will, but if they don't, then someone is going to go. Someone's toast. Someone's being canned, tossed out the front door. But that's it. Give there me was some no other words for firing. Nobody? Terminated, purged. Jonathan, you're, axed. Good, you're good with the sound, but bad with that stuff. Uh, <laughs> <Is> that? <laughs> are, we, are we waiting for sound effects? No, or, I thought, or can I talk? I just thought Jonathan words? would jump in with other words for firing, and he's just like, I don't know. You can go with the English let go. Sacked. You sacked. Sacked. Oh yeah, that's the, the soccer. Yeah. Okay. Took you a second. Um, Sorry. I don't see. I, I I don't see that happening. I mean, I, I assume he's inferring uh, a coach. Probably. Uh, I don't think Spielman's going to get fired in week five. I don't think Zimmer's going to get fired in week five. I don't think the offensive coordinator, after they fired him in week thirteen last year or twelve or whatever it was, is going to get fired. Uh, you know, there maybe a low level PR guy uh, might go because <laughs> uh, it was not exactly a clean week in that department. It, it was, uh, no. But no, I, I, I don't see uh, I don't see a termination on the horizon. I see the heat. Uh, I see the uh, several logs being thrown on that fire. I see uh, more angst. I, I sense more dysfunction. I sense more frustration. Frustration was the buzzword last week or this week. So I, I would say that would ramp up. Um, uh, I, I'm not, I'm I'm cynical, uh, and I can see people getting fired at some point at the end of the season, but uh, not at not not on October seventh. Uh, dismiss, discharge, lay off, let go, throw out, get rid of, oust, depose, sack was is thrown jettisoned to axe. Jettison is uh, one of them. Give someone the boot. Show someone the door. Give someone the push. Give someone them. Give someone their cards. I've never heard that before. Purge. Give someone the elbow was thrown in there. So uh, purge would be another way to put it. Anyway, lots of ways of saying it. I don't think so either, but I think how this looks could make a difference. Here, uh, there's that. Here's what I, I'm kind of feeling about this with Mike Zimmer is it's always something and it's always with the offense for the most part with him for his entire tenure, except for the one time where Ironically, Pat Shermer is running things, and Shermer is kind of an OG and clearly a guy who could be a head coach himself in Is New that York. offensive guru? Who's that? OG? Well, no, but it could be. It means original gangster, but, ah, uh, ah. <laughs> but offensive guru works. Um, you know, I just mean that Shermer had been around for a really long time and had been running that West Coast offense successfully and is a really smart guy. And so in for one year, he takes hold of that offense and they succeed. But in every other year, there's some sort of big problem. Kicker. And sometimes, right, sometimes it's out of his hands. Adrian Peterson in 2014 is out of his hands. Everson Griffin last year out of his hands. But the uh, drama has been... Um, just, you know, really high in the Mike Zimmer era. And when it is coming back to him on the pie chart of blame and you can't get rid of Kirk Cousins, there's nothing you could do aside from eating his cap hit. Next they're not year. doing, they're not they're eating not doing that. That would be crazy. What, yeah. The, the solution is because what they start to do is they start to check off these boxes. Like, well, let's see whose fault is it? What should we do? How can we change and this? We tried this. We tried this. We tried this. We tried drafting these guys. We tried changing the offensive coordinator. We tried this. The one thing that is not 
been checked off on the list would be to give Cousins, the offensive guru, the young, sexy head coach, to be in charge, someone who goes... You know, hardcore offense like a Matt Nagy that changed things around in Chicago. That's like the last thing on the list. And I don't think it's a good idea to do something like that if they lose here. I feel like it would be an overreaction to the drama. It just seems like Zimmer has always been able to take punches and get off the mat and keep going and push his team through. But if it feels like he's not able to do that anymore... Then yeah, there could be some trouble here. Well, you can, and maybe you sense that he is "quote unquote" losing the team, right? Yeah, that's more so than what the public thinks. It's going to be how the rest of that locker room would respond. Let's say to a twenty-four to six loss on the road to an inferior Giants team. I think you're going to hear a lot of angst in that locker room. Yep. Um, so you're right. Cosmetics do matter, uh, but you know. Firing Zimmer after a week five loss only creates another set of drama. Right. That is, so who are you replacing him with? And it's, it in, and, and it's in and it's an interim. And now you're retooling or are you tweaking the offense? Are you completely revamping the philosophy on the fly? Uh, I don't know. I so don't know what the answer what, would be. What would that really accomplish? Plus, let's not forget, Zimmer is stewarding a very good defense. Right. Uh, you don't want to lose that uh, momentum or that stewardship either, I would think. so. It, because if you're doing something like that, you're trying to save the season. And I think when you go to 2-3 and three in this division, you start to go into save the season mode. How can we do it? What can we do? It, it, I don't think the answer is firing Kevin Stefanski, but it might mean put Gary Kubiak in charge of play calling. That could happen. Boy, then, but then Zimmer really has to answer because now he's throwing another offensive coordinator off overboard, <laughs> know, and, and it's just and uh, that's why it points back at him because it, he is the one that put this system in place and said this is how the offense should be. This is what I know works, and that's where it lands back on his shoulders. If uh, Here's the one thing, you know, Zimmer could walk on water for the first three seasons he was here. I mean, people adored him. They loved his blunt style. Um, of course, he delivered a playoff appearance in the second year and only got screwed by Blair Walsh in the Arctic. Um, he almost loses his eye in 2016. He's got quarter, you know, Teddy Bridgewater almost dies on the field practically. Sam Bradford will comes in as a cripple. They can't do anything with him. And, uh, you know... Basically, then he leads them with Case Keenum to a 13-3 and season. So he's got all this currency and credibility within the fan base that loves him. I still think he's got some of that. I, I, I feel it crumbling, and the, the bank account is low now. But there's still some money in that account. Would you not agree? I do agree, but I think that where the pressure has started to come on him is when he fired John D. Filippo for not running okay. the ball enough. And I didn't think myself... And uh, Sage Rosenfels and I broke it down to the X's and the O's. So once you get there, you know it's real. Uh, but we we saw why they fired John Filippo. Like the offense really just wasn't very good and had a lot of talent last year. And they didn't um, get the ball Delvin Cook enough. I totally agreed with all those things. There were lots of opportunities all over the place for Filippo to do better. But when you fire him, 
then you better have the next answer. And if the next answer has you 31st in passing after four weeks, I don't care what the score was in week one and three. When you needed your passing game, it was horrendous. And you can't rely on a running game all the time. I mean, everybody knows this at this point. And so when you stood up there and said, I fired John Filippo because he didn't run enough, then you, you should put your cards on the table and said, well, now, now this is my offense, essentially. And... That's where I don't put it necessarily on Kevin Stefanski. I I think he's doing what Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the team, wants him to do with this run balance and trying to be 50-50 all the time. And Zimmer gave him his dream job, too. So he's going to, what is he going to not, you know, adhere to that? And uh, Zimmer has, Zimmer has, is of course going to be attached at the hip with Cousins, even though he is the defensive guy and he's not calling plays. Mm -hmm. But so much of this is... Again, why do we always circle right back to number eight? All of the yep. stress, all, all of, of the yep. anxiety, all goes back to mm-hmm. this is a guy that is not delivering results that he is getting paid to deliver. But I think that that is very true, and that right now no one in the fan base is apologizing for Kirk Cousins or claiming that it's the left guard this year or anything else like that. But once Mike Zimmer made that move, then I think his goodwill really depended on this offense getting back together it was no longer well you know teddy got hurt and that's not zimmer's fault like no you've got a quarterback who's paid a lot of money who has a decent history and you decided i'm going to try to hide his weaknesses by only having him run bootleg throws down the field and then run all the time like well that was your call then and if it doesn't work since you commandeered the offense then that's that's on you and i think that's where his goodwill is kind of circling the drain a little bit if they don't win this game this is fun, Murph. Yeah. Way to, way to end on that sad, sorry note, huh? But I'm picking the Vikings. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick the Vikings, too, in a, in a, in a bounce-back <laughs> bounce back game, but it's not going to be pretty. I'll, I'll go the old 21-13 uh, to 13 type game. How about a prop? With a real, defensive touchdown. Real quick. Um, I'll be in that range, too. I think maybe 20, 28 points. Prop bet. How many targets to Stefan Diggs? Seven. Seven. They're still not going to him that much. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. It's always going to be fun. Make sure you check out Purple Daily Feed on Spotify, iTunes, because Zulgad will be in New York to have instant reaction after the game from there on the podcast feed. We will catch you later here. This has been Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.